This season, we cling to his presence. May the God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him. For he has so much love for you. His greatest gift is himself. His present is his presence. Uh, Merry Christmas. We're grateful that you're here. My name is Jordan and uh, privileged to serve as lead pastor here. I want to say a special hello to anyone who is here potentially for the very first time. We just as a church family want to say thanks for being here. We love that you're here. And uh, honestly, we hope to get to know you better. Our church is not, it's really not a church that uh, considers a service really the totality of what we are. We're a church family. We're a community. And uh, we hope that... um, you know, if this is a, a church family that you desire to grow with Christ in, which is really our hope, um, that you would get engaged somehow in small groups and in uh, service opportunities, because we really believe that that's how we grow with Jesus is in relationships and uh, and using our gifts to serve others. And so we're just grateful that you're here. Uh, it is Christmas season, and we're in a series called Presents uh, because Christmas is really. Uh, not just about gifts, but it is about the presence of God in our life. It is a significant time of the year where we prepare our hearts uh, for Christ's first coming, and we also think about what that looks like as we prepare our hearts for His second coming. Um, but typically, we celebrate what that looks like four weeks, built, really building up to our Christmas Eve services. And two weeks ago, we celebrated this idea of hope, and we equated hope with light. In fact. Uh, typically what happens on Christmas in the Christmas Advent season is you light candles and we've got symbolically some lanterns up here and it is the light of Christ that gives us hope because we, when we're able to see with his eyes the world that he's created and how we're uh, interacting with it, we're able to see that God has a better future for us. Uh, last week we talked about peace. Again, this is not earthly terms. This is what God would define these themes as being in our life. And the idea of peace in terms of what God thinks about is not just the absence of conflict, but it's his presence in our life, uh, which creates a, a more completed, a more whole, a more, it, it's really, it creates a path of healing for our brokenness and for the brokenness of the world. And ultimately, this idea that the Old Testament unpacks as shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace. It's, it's not just fixing something, it's really getting that thing back to the place that, God, that Christ intended for it. And so that's what this idea of peace is. This week we're going to be looking at this idea of joy. And I don't know, when I was little, I just, you know, the idea of joy was really 
more connected to in terms of Christmas, you know, Christmas morning, opening up all your presents, and whether or not your expectations were met, right? How many of you had like a list when you were little and your parents, you know, sometimes they did good, sometimes they didn't, you know, sometimes they got you a sweater and you're like, oh, great, just what I always wanted. And then you get older and you're like, oh, actually, I actually want a sweater, you know, and so, you know, our tastes change and things get different, but um, I'm not talking about that kind of joy. I'm not talking about the kind of joy that comes with a, like an earthly gift. I'm talking about the kind of joy, as we unwrap this, as we look a little bit deeper at it, the kind of joy that God wants to bring to our lives. But since I brought up the idea of gifts, I'll just go ahead and state the obvious. Not every gift brings joy, okay? If, if you don't get anything from today's message, I want you to just take these three recommendations. I'm going to give you three recommendations of gifts that will not bring joy to people in your life if you love them. Now, if you have some other feelings about them, then you might consider giving these things to them. Number one, don't give, if you want to spark joy in their life, okay, don't give them a used gift card. Because really, they don't know if there's money on it. They're going to show up at the restaurant, they're going to be embarrassed, and you were the cause of that. How bad would that be if that was like an intentional gift? <laughs> it's just terrible. Okay, don't do that. Number two, do not give someone that you love wrinkle cream. I'm not saying that they can't buy it on their own, but you don't need to buy that for them. It's not something that will bode well for you. It's not going to create the joy uh, of God in their life. It's not going to you know, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in them. Okay, so don't do it. Third... Just don't do this. Don't give them their own stuff. I, I don't mean give them things they already own. I mean literally don't give them things they already own. Not duplicated stuff, but things they already know. I'm, I'm telling you this because it's been done to me. When I was little, my brother had a hole in his pocket, and every Christmas it would start on Black Friday. He would go out and buy himself all of the stuff he could think about, okay? This is Justin Hansen, supported missionary by Newport Mesa Church. What's up, Justin? Aaron, all of our family's dirty laundry. Here we go. And Justin, we lived together. He was two years younger than me, a younger brother. Love him, love him, love him. But one Christmas, he had spent all of his you know, money on himself, Black Friday. And we got to Christmas, and we're opening gifts. And I'm like, I'm opening the present that he gave me. And I'm like, wait a second here. I'm pretty sure I already own this Genesis game that you gave me. Do you remember Genesis, right? The, the, the game system? Okay, I'm old. It's okay. And I even remember, like, I, look at Justin. My name is on this. Like, I wrote it with a black Sharpie. I own this. You just, you just gave me something I already own. Let's just say that did not spark joy in our brotherhood, in our friendship. And the reality is not every gift brings joy. However, I got good news, right, good news, here at Christmas, just because not every gift brings joy doesn't mean that you can't spark joy in someone else and re-gift that thing to them, right? How many of you know what the white elephant gift exchange is? Anyone? Anyone? How many of you love the white elephant gift exchange? You love the white elephant gift exchange for the same reason I love the white elephant gift exchange. Not for the gifts, but because of the conflict that you see that it creates. It just creates built-in entertainment for any Christmas party that you go to. It's just a white elephant gift exchange. I'm going I'm to even tell you why they call it the white elephant gift exchange, but 
for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's a Christmas game where everybody buys kind of a unique gift that is probably sort of useless, maybe, potentially, but maybe fun, maybe unique, something in that matter, and there's trading, and people steal from each other, and it's all, I mean, really, it's all, the spirit of Christmas is all over it. Uh, and, and, and so th- these are just a couple tweets that I read this week about the white elephant gift exchange. Teen came home wearing a fluorescent alligator around her neck. She won from a white elephant gift exchange. She's shocked. No one else wanted it. Every time I play white elephant, I always say I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm not going to get too intense, but 10 minutes in, I'm already yelling at people I've never met. And then by the end, I'm chasing Nikita down the block in the pouring rain for a pair of sunglasses. I need help. Third tweet, I just love this one. I think the White Elephant gift exchange is really a conspiracy started by Goodwill to rotate stock from store to store. <laughs> but it, <laughs> by the way, my wife loves White Elephant gift exchanges, not because of the conflict, because she loves the gifts. I mean, she's so funny. This, this is my favorite, though. A White Elephant gift exchange is a great way to secretly resent someone for swiping the dollar store bath bomb you didn't think you wanted until you were stuck with the dollar store candle. All of a sudden, like, things opened up for you. You realize, this is what I needed to do. And so for many of us, Christmas morning, you know, it doesn't necessarily spark joy, uh, but December 26th does, and I'll tell you why. Let me introduce you to my friend, Marie Kondo. How many of you know who Marie Kondo is, okay? She gives, she's very passionate about something that I wish I was more passionate about, okay? Decluttering your home right, decluttering your home, because she believes that a more organized life creates a more joyful life, and the things that you leave in your home, if they spark joy, they will, you know, you know it'll just be more joyful, I guess. So she gives a couple, a couple rules for what, ha- what is going to happen if you get a gift that is not sparking joy in your life, okay, right? Someone gives you wrinkle cream, what do you do, okay? Let me give you three easy steps. Here we go. Number one, open the gift. This is again from Marie Kondo. Open the gift. Number two, remove the wrapping. And number three, you use it. Because here's the reality. Someone gave you that gift and we don't want to assume ever that they had ill intention unless you get a used gift card and that was intentional. But otherwise, you know, just, you know, honor the person's gift and use it at least once. And then December 26th rolls around and you are absolved from the guilt, you can give it to goodwill, you can re-gift it, you can go to the next year's white uh, elephant exchange and give someone else that, that wonderful gift that you received. How many of you are ready for Christmas this year? Just that advice right there, you're ready to go. Not every gift brings joy. Actually, the name white elephant was started because this is legend, I, didn't, I, I forgot to tell the first service this, but... Um, the legend is that the Thai king would give these rare albino elephants to people that he disliked. Because if you got a gift from the king, it's not like you could give it away. And if that elephant was white, you, everyone knew that that was a gift from the king. And let's be honest, friends, it takes a lot of resources to keep an elephant fed. So that person, because the king didn't like them, would have to try to figure out a way to survive while feeding this white elephant for the rest of their life. Now you know. That's why they call it a white elephant 
gift exchange. But thank goodness for Marie Kondo, you just gift that thing to someone else. The reality is not every gift brings joy. This Christmas season, maybe, maybe this Christmas season for you isn't a joyful season. It's, it's a season of other feelings, other emotions. And what does that look like for us to think about joy from God's perspective? What does that look like for us to receive something from Him that will not just be something that gets used and abused and thrown away or given away, but something that we treasure, something that we value, something that we keep really essentially forever? I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're going to go ahead and start reading in verse 8. This is the story of the angels coming to the shepherds in the shepherd's field to announce a very important bit of news. And we're going to read from a familiar Christmas passage this morning. Verse 8 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord peered to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Go ahead and just circle good news. Of great joy. Go ahead and circle great joy or underline it. That will be for all the people. Go ahead and underline that or circle it for all the people. Especially that word all. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. He will, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom He is pleased. Not every gift brings joy, but God's gifts always bring joy. Let's pray. Father, we just pray uh, this morning that in this Christmas season we won't get too busy or too worried or to overcome by negative emotions to not pause and reflect on the good works that You are doing in our life. Lord, the good gifts that You have given to us, may we take time to prepare our hearts, not just for the gifts of the season, but Your presence in our life. Lord, may we experience the hope that comes when You light up our reality. May we experience the peace that comes when You have reconciled us back to the heart of God. And Lord, we just pray and we just ask that that would result not in earthly joy, which is based on circumstances, but based on Your redemptive effort in our life. God, may we remember what You have done, what You are doing, and what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God's gift, God's gift always brings joy. Now this is a familiar passage, and uh, it's likely that you've read it before. It might even be part of the passage that you read uh, on Christmas morning, you know, when your dad opens up the Bible, or your mom opens up the Bible, or maybe you do this, and <laughs> if you were like my dad, you read the story painfully slow to make sure you know all of your kids are growing in patience uh, because they're just waiting for what comes after the Christmas story is read 
Um, and and maybe, maybe you recognize the characters, maybe you're familiar with even the city that it's in, the town. The little town of Bethlehem. There's so many Christmas carols and Christmas hymns that talk about Bethlehem and the shepherds and the themes that we're going to be looking at today. But I wonder if you're familiar with the history of that little town. You see, if you know about Bethlehem, you probably, you might even know that, that this was the city, that this was the town that David was born in. And that's significant, right? Because Jesus came in the line of King David. And uh, it was the fulfillment uh, to King David that there would be a ruler who would come in his line that would last forever and rule with justice and be a shepherd, even just like King David was. But that's not the first time that Bethlehem is mentioned in Scripture. The first time, or one of the first times that Bethlehem is mentioned is actually found in Genesis 35. I want to read this passage to you because the story of Bethlehem actually doesn't begin with a whole lot of joy. It begins with the opposite. It begins with sorrow. It says this in chapter 35, verse 16, Then they journeyed from Bethel when they were still some distance from Ephrath. Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she, came, she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. Ben-Oni means son of sorrow, but Benjamin means son of my right hand. Verse 19, so Rachel died and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is still there to this day. Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. And the tower of Eder would eventually become a tower where shepherds would overlook the flocks of sheep and the cattle. It would give them a strategic overlook on the way from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, eventually when the tabernacle is brought to Jerusalem and the temple is erected and the sacrifices are made, it becomes a very significant place uh, where, where some of that would unfold. Every good gift that God gives to us brings joy. I want to just start off this message by unpacking a simple truth that can change the way that you think about this concept. If, if you, like me, have been around long enough to experience any kind of loss or any kind of hardship or any amount of suffering or any hard thing in general, Christmas to you, honestly, is not always full of pure joy, right? Let's just be honest. It's not always full of pure joy. Part of the reason why kids experience pure joy at Christmas is they've never experienced the disappointment of the season. If you've ever lost someone, if you've ever gone through a hard time, Christmas sometimes, and for some people, can be a very lonely time. It can be even a depressing time. It can be a time where we recognize the pain of the journey that we've been on. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we can focus too much on who's missing versus on what God has done and, and what God is doing. Again, this is all a part of what God is transforming in us as we look at our reality in the light of Christ and we're filled with the kind of hope that comes 
from his presence in our life. And when we look at our reality based on that light, we begin to recognize that God is at work. He is doing something. But I want to really clarify because sometimes we assume or think that God's given to us the gift of sorrow. And I just want to make it so clear and obvious that sorrow and pain and hurt is not from God. It's not from God. God doesn't enjoy seeing His kids experience pain. Maybe you've never realized that or maybe you come from a background where where you just equate God allowing something to happen is the same thing as God giving us the gift of pain or giving us the gift of sorrow. Now, I'm not saying that God can't use pain and use sorrow. But if there's one thing I know about God in all of Scripture, consistently from Genesis to Revelation, is God intends good for you. He does not intend evil. He does not intend bad. He does not intend disappointment. Even though life circumstances, because of the brokenness of the world that we live in, we're often wrestling with these realities. God, that's not God's heart for you. He desires for you to have His presence in your life, to walk in His ways, and to experience really the fulfillment of every promise that He's ever given to you. That's not just a preacher saying, oh, that there's no pain in the world. That, I'm just telling you, that's God's intention. That's God's desire. His ultimate desire is for you to experience the good gifts that He has for you, not just in this life, but especially in the life to come. Can I just tell you, that's why heaven is not going to have death. It's not going to have suffering. It's not going to have tears. All of the brokenness of this world is going to be removed. But if we don't recognize that, that, that the gift of pain is not from God, we won't be able to experience the joy that, wants to, that God wants to bring sometimes and oftentimes, almost all the time, in spite of it. You see, Bethlehem was a place where someone lost someone very close to him. If you look at the story of Jacob and Rachel, you see really a beautiful love story. It's the story of a young man who meets a young girl and they fall in love and they experience some crazy stuff in their life. But ultimately, they get together and they get married and they pray that God would give them kids and they're hoping for that and God finally gives them one child and then finally God allows them to have another child and yet it's in this very, which is supposed to be a joyous moment, a terrible tragedy takes place and Rachel passes away. That is the context of Bethlehem. And yet God chooses this place of sorrow, this setting, this context, to not only redeem the pain that Jacob experienced in his life, waiting in anticipation, as Hebrew says, in faith for something better to be the fulfillment of the promise that he given to him, he brings King David into the world through this city, and then he brings Jesus into this city. It is in and near the town of Bethlehem where God reveals to a bunch of shepherds through a whole multitude of angels that God is bringing good news of great joy. The last couple of weeks, we've had little characters from my, from my daughter's uh, nativity set. And I got to tell you, you guys missed out. Harper was in the first service, but she was not in the second service because she just did not want to come out. She's three, so what are you going to do? She didn't come out. And I've got two angels here. The text says that there was more than one angel. 
And I don't even want to guess how many there were. It just says that there was a multitude. There could have been tens or hundreds or thousands even. And I've got two angels here. And it says that they gave the shepherds that were there in that moment the good news of great joy. The good news of great joy. God's gift always brings joy. Yesterday while I was preaching at Feed the Hungry, uh, or, or Brother Orlando's ministry, we talked about the gift of God being Jesus and how Jesus is God's greatest gift. Many people think that we give and exchange gifts with each other because of the Magi, but it's not really true. It's true that the Magi brought gifts. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but they brought those gifts because they were recognizing the incredible gift that God had given to humanity and they wanted to bring something in honor and in worship of God's extravagant generosity. Not just to give us a baby, but to give Himself in human form. That's literally what Emmanuel means, which we talked about last week. God with us. And this is the most significant moment in human history up until this point because God after hearing the cries of His people and even providing temporary solutions to overcome their biggest issues, decides to come for Himself. And He comes into the journey that each of us have and He comes. And it's, it's not lost on me that in Bethlehem there is another birth that takes place. It doesn't say that the mother died but it does say that this child will reverse the reason why Rachel dies to begin with. You see, when you study the, the, the story of Jesus and the story of Christmas, you can't help but be confronted by the nature of God, not just in the nativity story, but from Genesis to Revelation, that God redeems. And He's not only redeeming Bethlehem, but He is using these angels to bring a message of redemption. A message that would ring true for all of us. And because joy is not connected to only our earthly circumstances, but is always linked to our spiritual connection to God, all of us can receive this free gift today. This is what the angels said. I bring you... Don't, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. I bring you... This is from verse 11 good news of great joy and this is why it's good news because it's going to reverse the sorrow that we've all carried for far too long the pain of the brokenness that we each have experienced and when you read the bible if there's one thing i can tell you it's that you're going to be read about people's brokenness over and over and over and over and over and when you look at your own life, you're going to realize the same thing. That was a really hard situation. That was a really tough season. And wow, that person caused me a lot of pain. And oh my goodness, I caused that person a lot of pain. And when we act outside of God's created intention for us to love and to be loved and to love others with the same love that God has loved us, we unintentionally or intentionally walk outside of the way that He's created us. And it says in the New Testament that we hamartia, we miss the mark. And we don't live up to what God desires for us. Hey, let's just be honest. We don't live up to what we desire for ourselves. 
And yet, because of the message that the angels brought to these shepherds, there's going to be a new start. And this is the message, that it's good news of great joy for all people. One of the greatest things about the message of the gospel is that it is not for a select few. We know because we live in a broken society that some people have this and some people don't have this and status is conferred on people with and oftentimes people who don't have struggle to survive and there's all of these different kinds of inequities and inequalities that we're constantly facing and experiencing and injustices and and wars and rumors of wars and again last week we talked about it it's the brokenness of the world that we all experience And yet we know that the invitation to the gospel isn't for just a couple people who might have grown up learning the Torah. It's for all people. Jesus came for all people. The message that he brought wasn't just for the religious elite or the people with, but it was for all people. Hey, listen, I don't know how many years of Greek you've studied, but the word for all there means all. He came for all people. In other words, Christianity is not just for church people. It's for all people. Christianity isn't just for males. It's for all people. Christianity, the message of Jesus and the kingdom, the gospel, the good news, isn't just for females. It's for all people. It's not just for the United States. God bless America. But it's for all people. And all people have an opportunity to receive the free gift that that will bring joy, which is Christ. All people. This is part of the reason, friends, why we believe in supporting the global church through specific and financial partnerships with missionaries who are in other parts of the globe sharing this invitation just like the angels did with the shepherds. The, the biblical, the, the easiest thing to, to show you from this text is simply that the shepherds, they didn't go to the Pharisees. They didn't go to the Sadducees. They didn't go to the Herodians. They didn't go to the rich Jewish people. They went to the shepherds. They could have went to anyone. They went to the shepherds. If you didn't know, the shepherds were not exactly seen as high in society. They were seen as, you know, the people that took care of the animals, right? I mean, I don't know what that equates to today. I don't, I don't know what kind of discriminatory practices that we create in our own heads, but let me shepherds, they were not the first people that everyone would assume that the angels would come to and give this incredible message of this gift that God wanted to give to humanity. And yet it was the shepherds who the angels came to. This is just the beginning of a pattern that you're going to see in the ministry of Jesus. You see, many of the people that Jesus invited to follow him were just regular, ordinary people, like fishermen. You know, Peter was a, he's a fisherman. He didn't grow up studying and knowing all of the verses and being able to memorize everything. He was a normal, everyday guy. And what I love about the gospel, about the kingdom, is that it is for all, it's for all people. It's not a gift for only a few select people. It is a gift for all people. I say this often, that Jesus made his message, I'm going to say it with as much like with as much inclusivity as possible. Right? Do you know that there's, there's no exclusions when God looks out over people and says, who should I save and who shouldn't I save? Now, there, there are other perspectives on this. It's just not mine. I believe that God's love is for all people and that invitation is for all 
people. Not to say that all people will accept that gift or to accept that invitation. And that is where Jesus' message becomes exclusive. Because while Jesus' message is to all people, only few would receive the gift that He represents. And all of you know this, if you're going to give a gift to someone, that gift has to be received. It can't just be left there or else it's not ever going to bring that person the benefits of the gift itself. So the good news of great joy is for all people, and this is really what the gift of Jesus does. It allows for God to redeem His people. What does redeem mean? What does that idea, that theological idea of redemption mean? Uh, An English synonym that kind of you know, can mean the same thing is this idea of restoration. That, that God will bring us back to the place where we were supposed to be. That God's created intent for us can be restored. That's redemption. The, the theological idea of redemption really is, is found really in the fields where Jesus was born. Because the theological idea of redemption has to do with the temple. You see, what would happen in Jewish culture is that every year uh, there would be um, a sacrifice that would be made for the sins of the people. And many sacrifices throughout the year with the different festivals. And, and specifically, uh, we know through, tr- tr- through tradition that it is the fields of Bethlehem where the Passover lambs were brought up. You see, the Passover lamb was purchased And it was brought to the temple where it would help the Jewish people realize what God had done for them when He didn't destroy their firstborn in Egypt and allowed them to move forward while the Egyptians had to recover from that loss. It gave them the head start to the freedom that they desired. This metaphor is throughout all of Scripture. It None of us, I mean most of us probably, have not actually been a slave. But all of us have been slaves spiritually to sin. And that's why in the New Testament, this idea of being set free by the blood of Jesus becomes so significant. And the angels, though they don't share the exact details of what is going to happen, say this to these shepherds. In the city of David, a Savior is born. In the city of David, a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. Savior. Savior from what? A Savior from our sin. The greatest threat to our lives and the primary thief of our peace. And since God wants to restore that peace to us, and everything that results as a result of that reconciliation with God, which in this case is also joy. Christ, the anointed one, the Lord. And then it says this, that when they had said this to them, there was uh, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom, with whom He is pleased. God's gift brings joy Because God's gift is redemption. That God is making a way for us, each of us, not in our own strength, but because of His strength and because of His perfection. 
You see, each of us has been made in the image of God, but because at some point in our own life we have defined morality on our own terms, and even when we haven't defined morality, we've gone against the morality in which we know that God has defined for us. Uh, What does this look like? Anytime we do something that just does not reflect who God is in our life. We could say something out of turn. We could think something that shouldn't be. And and worst case scenario, we can do something. And actually, when we do something, that's if it's not done in the spirit of Christ, that's that's the moment. Those are moments where we actually do damage to other people. And it's because of this free will that each of us is living in this continual state of brokenness. But God wants to reverse that in our lives. If you have any brokenness in your life, if you want to experience the joy that God has for you, it really starts with where the angels started. Accepting this gift, this incredible gift of Jesus in your life. And God wants you to know, no matter what you've experienced in this life, no matter what you've said to other people, no matter what you've done to other people, that you can have this gift. All you have to do is be open to it. Because if you'll be open to it, receiving this gift of Jesus, God will do in your life what He's done in everyone's life who has accepted this gift before you. He will redeem you. And this is what redemption looks like. The journey of being reborn in God's image begins. And we begin to follow Jesus and think about our life the way that he thinks about our life. Learning his language. Trying to figure out where there is life. What he is doing. How his redemption means something is different for us. And that's not just a select few. That's for anyone that would take him up on this offer. God desires to redeem. That's why all of God's gifts bring joy. And even when the road gets tough, there's joy in recognizing God's activity in the midst. Because here's the reality, whatever we give to God, He redeems. God is not a bad gift giver. He is a good gift giver. And when we've given our heart to Him, He begins to even shape our circumstances to reflect more of His kingdom reality in our lives. I've been pretty honest with you. I'm going to be, you know, I'm not going to be as specific as I have been before about how these things have affected me. But when I was 16, my dad was diagnosed with a brain tumor and he passed away when I was 25. So there was about eight years there where I really struggled and grappled with the idea that God has anything good for me. Because I just, I was faced with this reality. And it was, it wasn't like a year journey. It was an eight year journey. It was, a, it was a, an extended period of, of time in my life where I, where I just, it wasn't like I, I would go out and rebel against God and do crazy things. It was just like, God, do, do you really love me? Are you really good? Like, is, is, is what Jesus did on this, does it really impact me? And there, I'll just be honest with you, there are so many things in life that I would be the first to tell you that you will understand on the other side. And there's going to be a lot of trusting, and God's going to grant you peace in the midst of the storm, and His presence will be sufficient, and His mercy, and His kindness, and His grace. But there will be little glimpses that God gives to you in this lifetime that give you just an idea of how good God is. I just want to give you a couple just broad ones today that I'm so grateful for where I have seen God's goodness in my life. And honestly, the joy that has come from it is not fake. How many of you know you cannot fake joy? 
Like people can smell that out. I always wanted to get married. In fact, I was voted most likely to get married first. Wrong, I was last to get married in my high school graduating class. How many of you know desperation is a foul-smelling cologne? <laughs> Come on, it's okay, we can laugh. We're laughing about me, so it's all right. <laughs> and it wasn't because I was, wasn't trying, man. I wanted to get married. It's just I had a lot of emotional stuff going on, and I, I mean, who knows why it didn't work out. It didn't work out, and I'm grateful that it didn't work out because I'll never forget on a particular uh, Thanksgiving outreach in the city of... It's a city probably most of you will never hear about, but it's significant to me because it is the city that my dad passed away in, Springfield, Missouri. See, that city for me was a place of sorrow. But years later at this Thanksgiving retreat, I met this girl who had so much attitude. And long story short, I'll, you know, someday I want to, I really, seriously, I want to do a dating series based on all the things that I did wrong. But God gave me an incredible gift. And that place, just when I read Bethlehem, I, I just see God's redemptive nature. I mean, He takes a place that had pain that was associated with it, and He recreates a new scenario, and He redeems it. He gives it back its purpose. And, uh, and that's what God did with me through Tara. Uh, I'm not just faking this. I love my wife. I'm, I'm just so grateful for her. In fact, she's up in Canada um, this weekend with Judah at a cousin's wedding. Um, and I just miss her. Yesterday, yesterday I was sitting in my house alone, and uh, Harper was, was at uh, Andre and Joe's house, and thinking, man, this is what I've been praying for, like for the last three months, peace and quiet. I hate it. Like, I just want that little snotty-nosed kid to wipe it all over my knee and, and Harper to bother me. You know, I mean, like, like I want that. I, I'm so grateful for my wife and my family. Uh, and then a couple years later, again, these are earthly joys, but they, they, gave, they give me a glimpse of how good God is. Uh, a couple years later, um, I got a text from my wife, and she said, Hey, Jordan, come home. I made dinner for you. Let's just have a, you know, a nice night together. I thought, this is weird. My wife never makes dinner. And something's got to be up. But I didn't know what. And so I, I came home and, man, the dinner, the, the, the gathering of people around the dinner table is just so, it's a special, like that to me is really my concept of heaven, just so you know. It's like the everyone where everyone is, and your loved ones, and your friends, and so there Tara and I are, our family, her and me, and you know, we're having this conversation, and she's talking about her day, and I'm talking about my day, and I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, what is this all about, you know, it's not near my birthday, it's not Christmas time, it's, it's like, you know, later, it's in the new year, and so she says, well, I, I have a gift for you, and I'm like, what? This is cool, I like gifts, but what is it, you know? And, and I open up the little box, and I'm holding this thing that is foreign to me in my hand. It looks like a thermometer. I, I, I don't know what it is, and, and I'm trying to figure out what this thermometer is that is in my hand, and, and she says to me, Jordan, you're going to be a dad. Now, there's few moments in life where when someone says something to you, it's like it 
literally wraps your brain up with, with joy and just squeezes you for all it's worth. And what happens is you cry, right? Like, seriously, tears are supposed to be for when you're sad. But in these moments, it's like you weep because you're so incredibly filled with joy. And that's what happened to me. I just, I, I literally, I wept tears of joy. And in that moment, I had a glimpse of heaven. I had a glimpse of God's good nature that despite what I incorrectly assumed of God, that He doesn't want what's bad for me, He actually desires to give me good gifts. And the work of Jesus in my life is the person who begins that process. And friends, for some of us, it takes years of following Jesus to remove some of the terrible theology that we've grown up in. And not even just theology, but ways of thinking about life and beginning to believe that God is good and that His gifts are good. And that when we receive His good gifts, we'll experience His joy. Now friends, there's a lot of things that I don't understand. I don't understand the timeline of God. I don't understand how things always work out to the glory of God or to our best interests. But I can tell you from experience, from my own experience, that whatever you give to God, if you're willing to continually give it to Him, He'll redeem it. Because He is a Redeemer. And even in the seasons where we don't understand if we'll give our pain to Him this Christmas, if we'll give our suffering to Him this Christmas, if we'll give our hopes and our dreams for what we are believing, not just for ourselves as people, but for our families, our dream and our hope for our family. What does that look like for you, for your family, for your daughters, for your sons, for your family? What does that look like for our church? If we will honestly and truly give that to God, He will redeem it. He will redeem it because God is a redeemer. And that's the message that the angels brought to the shepherds. You guys, you are the first ones to hear it. Something is happening tonight. Jesus is born and He's going to reverse the curse that you've lived under for your whole life. What a gift. What a gift. What a gift. And God will take whatever you're willing to give to Him and He's going to redeem it. What would that look like for you to give your identity to Him? Give it to God. He'll redeem it. What would that look like for you to give your purpose to Him? Give it to God and He'll redeem it. It, it, it might not mean that you change profession, but you're going to be your profession differently. You're going to live with the light of Christ in you. And the joy of God, which is worked out because of what God has done in us will be on display for people who are trying to figure out what does it look like to live for God when everything is painful. What does that look like for you to give your relationships to God to redeem? I'll just tell you that God will redeem your end and it might take a little while for God to redeem the other person because we have free will and two people have to say, God, I want you to redeem me. What does it look like for God to redeem your finances? If you give your finances to God, if you do things His way, He will redeem them. If there's one thing I know about God in all of Scripture is that He knows how to redeem. He knows how to redeem. And when we receive the free gift of Jesus, we'll experience redemption. God will restore what has been taken from us. 
and we may not have all of the earthly answers, but we will have earthly glimpses because God is so good that He's able to give us those glimpses on this earth so that we can experience the reality of redemption forever. If you'd stand with me, I want to encourage you this morning with this simple idea that everything that God wants to do in your life must be received. And like any gift that is given to you this Christmas, you can either receive it or you can reject it. You can receive it or you can reject it. Friends, if you would be so bold as to just lift your hands up to God almost in a posture of reception. It really... Redemption comes when we cry out to God and say, God, we need You. God puts His Spirit in us. The Spirit of Christ. And the work of redemption begins to work in us. And if you've never prayed that prayer, if you've never had that thought, I want to just lead you in a simple prayer. And I just want to encourage you with this. Just make this your prayer. Father, we, we want You to take our sorrows and turn them into joy. Father, we receive the free gift of Jesus, the Savior, Christ the Lord, who was willing to go the ultimate length so that we can experience peace with You. And Father, we know that Your peace is extended to us through Christ. And so, Lord, we receive today we want to follow Jesus and we choose to commit our lives to Him today. Father, fill us with Your joy. Fill us with Your joy. This is something that You have to do. We can't fake it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pete from Newport Mesa Church. We want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Newport Mesa Church, we're all about changed lives. If this message encouraged you, we'd love to hear about your story. So connect with us on our webpage or email us at info at newportmesa.org. If you'd like to support the ministry here, you can give through our website or our mobile app. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope to see you next week.